0: To the Hockey PDO cast, my name is Dmitri Filipovich, and joining me on today's episode is my good buddy John Mattis. John, what's going on, man? Not a whole lot, Dmitri. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to have you on. It's been a it's been a while since we chatted, at least on the air. I think um, I think we'd have to go all the way back to that time I was in Toronto, and then we did a, a bit of a home and home at the uh, at the Score Studios there. So that was uh, that was quite a while ago. So it's good to have you back on.
1: Yeah, that's got to be, I want to say, late 2019, maybe 2018. Yeah, everything's it was so definitely foggy pre-pandemic for sure. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: no, it was uh it was a while ago, so it's good to it's good to do this. So we have a variety of topics because you you cover the league um at large as well, and, and you do a bunch of national stuff. So we're gonna get into some of that. But you know what? I thought it'd be fun exercise for us here today to do a bit of um bit of a 25 game awards ballot. Um I, I feel like these I know it's still so early, so much is going to change over the next couple months. We acknowledge that. I think it's fun. It's a fun exercise though, because it kind of serves as like a bit of a time capsule for us, right? We can like refer to it after and be like, oh, like where were we at at this point in the season? How much has changed since then? How much has held true to form? And so 25 games is also like statistically, I feel like a pretty good delineation point as well because now we're getting meaningful samples of like how players and teams are playing and we have a better sense of what's going on so um are you down to uh are you down to do that with me here today
1: let's do it yeah it's it's also helpful from our perspective selfishly because you don't want to leave all that award thinking to the end of the year obviously that's when you put a lot of time into it before you cast your ballot i assume you have a a ballot at the phwa i don't um, i actually don't oh. um
0: i was uh, i was a member a couple years ago and then i um i decided to just uh to leave that to the fine folks like yourself i'm I'm, i uh, i I like to i like to do it on the podcast here and i do my like fake ballot and and i get people asking about all the time but i don't actually have an official one but let's pretend let's pretend that i do you have one yourself so we're really going to be leaning on you here and and trying to mold your opinions for for year end so that we can we can we can get the votes we want
1: yeah absolutely and I mean, if we start with the heart, which is I assume where you want to go with this off the top and everything trickles down from there, I feel like it's a, hor- a two-horse race at this point with, with Robertson and his just uh, prolific goal scoring and then what McDavid is doing. Right. The, the splits out in Edmonton are the usual, um, I guess, a huge disparity between when McDavid's on the ice and when he's not. Uh, mm-hmm. And then with Robertson – It's hard to to really look past him at the top of this ballot, based on uh, you know twenty three goals and he's only playing seventeen forty seven a night. I mean, I look back at last year's top goals per sixty score, and it was I believe it was Matthews at somewhere around like two point eight. Probably should have wrote that down, (laughs) but Robertson, yeah, yeah, Robertson's at three point one. Like, and and this is like you said, small ish sample size, but still. 25 games is, is nothing tiny. Uh, and just his fit with Pavelski and, and Hintz is just so perfect. Uh, the way that they all just blend into each other as a as just an absolutely stunning line. I mean, they destroyed the league last year. They're doing it again this year. So there's certainly no fluke in there. And I think also when I think of awards, um, if there's ever a tie break, I kind of lean towards the guy who not necessarily that I like more, um, (laughs) but has, (laughs) but that's a very
0: scientific criteria.
1: Yeah, I know. But like, I just, I just love the way the guy thinks the game. Yes. Obviously McDavid does too. I mean, they're probably both uh, in the top five in the league. McDavid for sure. As far as hockey IQ, hockey sense, all that good stuff. Um, But I think he does it in such a unique way.
0: I I, I totally get what
1: you're saying. Yeah. I, I,
0: 25 games is a smaller sample, and this is like a new level for Robertson that he's ascended to, but that efficiency you speak of in terms of how much he plays compared to some of the other top scorers and still how much he produces isn't anything new, right? It's pretty much since he's come into the NHL and he jumped on that top line like a year and a half ago or two years ago. He's been one of the most efficient scorers in the league. I have It's it's funny you mentioned that as like the, the two-horse race because I feel like the past couple of years, and it'll extend for the next 10 years, the heart conversation is generally going to be Connor McDavid versus player who's having the best season of their career, and
1: then I'll be like, yeah, "Essentially, all
0: right, this guy's this guy's having a really good year." And we've also got Connor McDavid for the 17th straight season because he's the best player we've ever seen play hockey, and um, and and that's just how it's going to be, and and that's totally fair. I, I had Robertson on my list as number one, and I'll give you a few stats. He's first, or he's tied first in five-on-five five points with 22 of them. He's first in goals with 23 and 25 games. He's third in in, uh, in in raw points behind McDavid and Leandre Settle with 41. He's sixth in shots, 10th in shot attempts. Here's the craziest stat of all for me. So the Stars are up 24 to 14 with him on the ice at 5-on-5 five five this season. So they've given up 14 5-on-5 five five goals against while he's been out there. He has 13 5-on-5 five five goals scored all by himself. Wow. So he's... In like 350 minutes or something so far this season through 25 games, he's pretty much playing all of his opponents to break even. And then everything anyone else does while he's on the ice is gravy, and they do a lot because he's got cool players with him along with Pavelski and Hints and when is out there with him. So yeah, well, I mean, listen, the stars are second in five-on-five scoring as a team, and in all situations, and they've got the third best power play. And it's a team effort in the sense that they have a lot of good players, but it's clear that he's such a driver for them offensively. And I think that would surprise people, right? Like I think people are still caught up in that Rick bonus. The Dallas stars are boring and are basically trying to play you to a two, two draw. And and that's the way they are. And in reality, they've actually been a very aggressive, high scoring fun team. And he's the biggest reason for that.
1: Yeah. A couple of things. One on the goal scoring. I felt like this with Matthews last year where you review all the goals, and I don't know, 80 90% of them are just him beating the goalie so cleanly, pure skill. Like, the luck on it is, is very low. Uh, and just kind of in the cat-mouse and mouse game between the goalie and the player, just winning it the vast majority of the time. I'm seeing that a lot with, with Robertson right yep. now, where sure, his shooting percentage is high. Sure, he's playing with really good players. But the way he's beating goalies... Uh, I guess it, it goes to his efficiency is just next level. So that that's another thing where you look at it and go, okay, like, is this going to slow down? Yes. But to what degree? Because what he's doing is uh, repeatable in a lot of ways because he is just outsmarting the goalie and he's got a wicked shot. Another thing with him and, you know, I, I definitely default to the numbers. I default to the eye test, what I've seen throughout the year, but you can't ignore the narrative with these awards, like just in terms of throwing all the data points together. I think narrative is one of those and Robertson came into the year, missing training camp. I mean, Mm -hmm. usually guys have this lull of a month or two and he really didn't have that lull. So if he's able to continue to build on this first 25 games and is in the conversation at the end of the year for the heart, I think it matters that he sort of just hit the ground running and was such a force early on. And, and was, you know, sort of end to end game one, game yeah. 82, the, this dominant player within the context of he was coming off this negotiation that stretch all the way into basically the start of the regular season.
0: Right. And he's ascended to that like most elite tier of I mean, we just saw Connor McDavid do it recently to like when he, when he plays the Blackhawks or something and it like looks like it's like a a pro playing against a bunch of amateurs. Right. And, or like the, the older high school student, who's like playing uh, like uh, uh, up against just like the younger crew and he's just like doing absolutely whatever he wants out there. And that's the sensation that I had watching him against Anaheim ducks the other night. We're going to talk about the ducks later here for a, for a less glorious category, but it just felt like that. Like I, every time he was on the ice, I was like, I think he's going to come away with a goal here. And he, and he came away with a hat trick. He didn't even play that much. Cause the game was so out of hand. It really felt like he could have had five or six goals pretty easily. If, if things broke right uh, for him. And, and so, yeah, he's, he's reached that level, which very few guys are where it feels like at times they're really just like, so, um, so like outclassing their opponents, both like physically and mentally and just like everything. And, and he's there. So it's a, it's a great story. It's really fun. And and I think, you know, you mentioned the narrative there. I'm like much more beholden to, to the statistical side of things, which I, I also include like what I'm seeing with my eyes when I'm watching all these games as well. But like, I don't like to get like too lost in narratives and stories, but you can't help frame it as this is like the new guy who's ascended to this level versus someone who we've seen at this level for years. And that does play into voters' minds from like a psychological perspective, no doubt.
1: Yeah, and even if we circle back on McDavid in terms of narratives, you mentioned it before. He's kind of become LeBron, where puts up these insane numbers year after year, and the voters are like, eh, you know, it wasn't his best year, so we're just gonna slot him in at number two or number three on the MVP list. Whereas what he's doing is always incredible. It's it's a bit, I mean, it's it's human nature. It's we all have our biases, and I think that plays into it as well. On the other end of it, you've got Robertson in his narrative, and then you've got McDavid and his narrative, and it's almost impossible to completely ignore it. I'm I'm with you in terms of the statistical package, the eye test; those are the most important. But um there's there's other context too. Okay, and it's enough on the heart. We gotta.
0: If we're, if we, I guess it's like the most important one, or the or the most prestigious one. So we, we're gonna spend the most on it. We can't we can't spend <laughs> ten minutes here on every category. Otherwise, we're gonna be here all day. um Let's. I actually wasn't planning on starting with a heart. You kind of uh, you kind of stepped in and hijacked my show there. I was gonna build up to it. I was gonna start with like rookie of the oh year, my God. Work our way up. Maybe tossing a little lady bing that no one actually oh. cares about. No, I'm not gonna do that. But let's do the let's do the Calder. Let's kind of work our way up now. I'm really curious for your take on this because I can already tell. I don't have a vote. As I said, I'm already tell I'm gonna be very frustrated with seeing the year-end results for this category because there's one player who I would have number one who I think is going to slide down the list because he's not going to score a lot of points, and it's going to bug me so much. So I'm, I'm I'm really curious to hear about who you have up top and who you're in consideration here.
1: Well, I think it's Owen Power, Matt <laughs> okay, Beniers, yes, and Logan Thompson for me as, to, as as far as the top three guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Power and Baneers are... are a, a tier above Thompson. I'll talk about Thompson quickly here just to get him out of the way. So, 920 save percentage. He's shouldering a fairly big load for uh, one of the best teams in the league. I don't think we can ignore that. But the environment he's playing in is pretty favorable. Mm-hmm. So, I, I knock him down a peg. And even though he qualifies for rookie of the year, I think the age factor is still relevant. I mean, it's way more impressive for an 18 year old to do crazy things than a I don't know exactly how old Thompson is. He's going to be 26 in February. Yeah, so even though his story is fantastic, I mean, he came out out of nowhere, really. He was playing Canadian University hockey not too long ago. Um, I think that just, you know, the mental makeup, the maturity, uh, the time with goalie coaches, et cetera, he's got a few more years on some other guys. So uh, he's in my number three spot, but I did want to shout him out.
0: Well, let me give you you a a note on Thompson that that I had as well because I think he's going to be... I mean, he's he's in the top three. I I think he's going to be even in the top two or potentially number one on on a lot of people's lists if it keeps up because he's going to win a lot of games. Vegas is going to win a lot of games, and it's like a very easy story to latch onto and to root for. And it's like it, it, writing that story; it almost it writes itself, right? Especially coming into the year, Robin Leonard's out for the year. Oh, what are they going to do in net? Like last year was such a mess, and then everything's kind of coming together favorably for them now. I I don't hold the age as much against him because. Goalies are almost on like an entirely different timeline than skaters, right? Like 26 sure. is certainly pushing it, uh, even by the NHL's letter of the law. <laughs> but yeah. it's fine. Like, you don't see 18-year-old goalies come into the NHL and start playing. They just aren't afforded that that opportunity, anyways. Um, you know, he did play 19 games last year, so he he's eligible for this award. So that's all that should matter. Like yeah. I, 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 I let's acknowledge that. What I'll say is, you know, he's got a plus 4.8 goal save above expected according to Evolving Hockey, which is 17th best. So it's good. He's been a net positive. But you mentioned that environment. The Golden Knights give up the sixth fewest high danger chances against the sixth fewest expected goals against. It's a really good team that has the puck a lot, and it's a pretty good situation for him to play in. I I know recently they deteriorated a bit defensively and and put more on his plate, and he's looked great doing so. And so maybe if the year goes on and he keeps having some of these performances where he actually has to legitimately steal wins for them, i'll change my tune but right now i just i don't think he's been he's been good i don't think he's been nearly great enough to vault him into into this category for number one best rookie because and i have to acknowledge my own biases here i hold goalies to a different standard right like i for a goalie to break into this for me like i need them to be a legitimate difference maker and i think he's been good but not great
1: sure that's fair do you have anyone else in your mind, in your percolating, in terms of the calder, as far as getting past Thompson, Power, and Baneers, are we missing anyone? It'll be pretty
0: tough. Like I actually think, you know, similar to what I just said about Thompson, I think Stuart Skinner, for example, for Edmonton, has had a very comparable season to Thompson. He's just playing in a tougher environment, so his save percentage is a bit lower. He's winning a bit fewer games, but. You know, his goal save above expected is higher. I think he's been every bit as good. Um, I would add Jake Sanderson maybe to this if his minutes continue to climb, right? He started off the year, they weren't sheltering him in terms of like usage of, in terms of who he was playing against or where he was starting his shifts. But just in terms of the minutes, if Thomas Shabbat is playing the type of volume he does, it just doesn't leave a lot of meat on the bone for anyone else there, unfortunately, if you're not on his pairing. And so we'd have to see him kind of work his way up. But in terms of the eye test, like he's been right up there with everyone in terms of like passing it with flying colors because he's such a, such a brilliant skater.
1: And with veneers and power, I'm, uh, if I were to vote today, I'd probably put power ahead, but it's like by a hair. Cause I think what veneers is doing is pretty special too. Yep. Uh, you know, 21 points in 17 minutes a night. So the efficiency's there. Um, he's an 18 year old center. Like uh, I think we've been spoiled a little bit over the last five, 10 years of guys jumping into the league and being effective. But I think we, we as a hockey community tend to forget how difficult that assignment can be. And I just like the details in his game. I think that he's um, basically as advertised, I guess you could say coming into the draft with uh, his two way detail and his ability to impact so many different situations. I mean, he's got that puck handling, and agility to, to beat guys one-on-one. So you've got that, I guess, flash and dash. And then defensively he's, he's pretty solid as far as stick checks and angling guys and just not being bullied. Um, and maybe a part of that is going back to school for a year and that, that worked out in his favor. Um, but he's been just a a driving force on that Kraken team. So I've been not, I don't know if surprised by Baneers, but I've been really impressed. Um, But then power, uh, you know, it's not exactly uh, a shocking thing to say that it's very difficult to play defense Mm -hmm. in the NHL when you're a teenager, Uh, especially the minutes he's playing and the fact that he's just shouldering, uh, uh, I don't know. He's he's almost already become their number one defenseman. Obviously, Darlene is no. He I is
0: guess, John. He's I think he's in the top five. I said this. I, I did a whole power over his veneer section on, on Friday show. So I don't know if the listeners are like, oh, we've heard you talk about this. I, I don't <laughs> want to necessarily be repeating myself, but I think he's fourth or fifth. He's definitely top five in most five on five minutes in the league this season. Like he he is their number one defenseman. Darlene gets the gets the scoring situations and the power play minutes. And he's been great himself. No no knock on him, but yeah, the amount of responsibility they've thrown on his plate immediately and how good he's looked doing. So like
1: cannot be overstated. And he's got the, the length and the size and the strength, but he plays almost like, I don't know, someone who's five foot 10, someone who's five foot 11. He's just so, he has such finesse. He has such good puck skills that he's essentially the, the, the full package. Um, so, I think if you're just sorting by points uh, on the rookie board, it's very easy to be drawn to Baneer's name and just almost forget power. But if you're watching the games, quote unquote, uh, you know, watch the games or hashtag watch the games, (laughs) um, I think that power pops a little bit more as far as overall impact.
0: Yes. Yeah. And, and, and it's not one of those things where by any means that Veneers is just like putting up empty calorie stats, right? It's like, he has that two way play and that ability to impact the game off the puck with his poor check and his tenacious, just like pursuit of it. Similarly, like, so it's, he's a total package himself. Um, I think you, you you said 18 there earlier, both guys turned 20 in November. Oh, okay. They did. Cause they went back to, they went back to college. Right. And yes. after their draft and, they got a bit of a taste last year at the end of the season. And I think that helped both of them, but mm-hmm. yeah, I can, I, the reason why I said, I, I can already tell I'm going to be upset is because ESPN like released a, a power poll today and they had Owen power fifth on their list. And I'm like, Oh, wow. I don't look, well, come on. Like, what are we, what are we, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, let's, let's just admit that we haven't watched Owen power play hockey. Then if you think there's been four rookies better than him this season. So, um, and it's because he has 10 assists with no goals and he doesn't play on the top power play, but there's so much more to, to making a difference for your team than that. And, uh, and he's done that and, and Beneers has as well. So it's going to be a real toss up between those two. I'm probably going to lean Beniers in terms of who I think will win. Cause he's going to have whatever, 60, 70 points and the Kraken are probably going to be in the playoffs. Whereas I don't think the Sabres will be. And so he's got a good case there, but yeah, it's a, it's a really fun class. I don't, and considering how, um, how much fan bases like get invested in their, in their best young rookies too. Like I don't, I don't envy the people having to deal with the repercussions of picking one over the other. Cause the other team's fan base is going to be pretty upset. So um, all right. Calder's done. Heart's done. Let's do the sell key. Let's, this is going to be a, a quick one here. It's almost like a free block for us. Give me a, give me your take.
1: Number 37 on Boston. Are we yeah. uh, in agreement there? The metrics are always through the roof with this guy. It's, you know, there might be a story there in terms of like who has had this type of career. Where I don't know if Bergeron's getting better. That might be overstating it, but to be this late into his 30s and doing what he's doing is really like I, I don't want to say it's unprecedented, but it's it's right up there as far as you know a, an elite class of people. Um, it's it's one of those things where. He automatically goes to the top of your mind because yep. of his career, but then you actually watch him, you look under the hood, and it, it totally lines up. Uh, another guy that that I had jotted down was mm-hmm. Um and then from there I, I honestly didn't didn't do a yes. full deep dive just based well, on like I'm going to talk about Bergeron. So
0: well. Uh my the only note I have here, well I have more, but the main one is apologies to Nico Hishier, who's having a, a fantastic <laughs> individual season. And in normal circumstances, I'd be talking his case up here. But we we don't we don't need to we don't need to pretend that it's anyone other than Bergeron. I mean, listen, here at 19. I don't know if he's getting better, as you said. His production and his underlying numbers are though, which is frightening. Um here's a metric for you, or here's a stat for you. 262 515 minutes this season. The opposition against him has mustered three total goals and 28 total high-danger chances. Now, by comparison, the Bruins in those minutes have 11 goals and 72 high-danger chances. Um, 497 NHL skaters with 200 minutes this season at 515. He's first in the fewest high-danger chances allowed. First in fewest expected goals against allowed. Third in fewest goals against allowed. I mean... What he's doing is is ridiculous. He's basically like any up and comer that's like I'm having a good season. Look at my two way impact. Like when he's here, he's basically doing the kembe Matumbo, just wagging his finger at them. <laughs> like, nope, not this year. You're gonna have to wait your turn. And normally, I'm like I get very upset at like the career achievement stuff or people mm-hmm. lazily just like not changing their opinions because Sasha Barkov was underrated six, six years ago, so he still is apparently. Like this isn't one of those instances. Like this is the statistical case there and when you watch him every night is he's the best defensive forward and that hasn't changed
1: and he's it's consistency right like i don't know how many games i've seen over his career where i go oh bergeron really got eaten up there or he gave the puck away or he didn't have a stick in the right lane like it's it's kind of unsexy stuff at the end of the day mm-hmm. um for sickos like you and i it's maybe a little sexier that, than than it is to the casual fan but um it's, well, it's really it's it's something else
0: it's it's almost n- not even because like i can't even put together really a mixtape for him in terms of showing people why he's so <laughs> good because it's like he's standing in the right place at all times it's like just watch him stand in the middle of the ice which is the center he's supposed to do but most of his peers don't because they go chasing the puck or they get themselves out of position and he instead is so disciplined in staying in his lane And yeah, like he does, like the back check where he comes back, and someone is going to have a nice chance, and he lifts their stick, and and there's certainly that element as well. But a lot of it is just like so subtle, where you almost have to break it down frame by frame, and it doesn't really make for like mass consumption in terms of people being like, "Yeah, I want more of this." But it's it's so good, and the fact that he keeps doing it is 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 awesome.
1: Yeah, I do. I do wonder, like, how long can he keep doing this and. You're waiting for that that drop-off in the same way that you're looking at Crosby and going, okay, one year he's going to completely fall off the cliff here, but it just hasn't happened in either case. No, it hasn't. All right, John,
0: um, we're going to take a break here. And then when we come back, we're going to keep going through our bouts and we're going to sprinkle in some, uh, it's not going to be just the usual stuff. We've got some fun uh, made up awards that, that you and I have uh, cooked up as well. So Stay tuned for that and we're going to keep chatting with John Mattis here on the hockey PDO cast on the SportsNet radio network. Take that, take that, take that. All right, we are back here on the hockey PDO cast joined by John Mattis today John. So we've done the heart, the Calder, the Selkie. Let's jump into the Norris. Um, I'm curious for your take on this one because I've actually I think this is probably the category that I've got the most names written down for, uh, with one kind of sticking above the rest so far. so I'll uh, I'll let you jump into it here.
1: Yeah, I was nodding my head as you said you had a bunch of names because I I'm not quite sure. like the Norris is always the one at the end of the year where I really have to sink my teeth into it because it's mm. just so easy to get caught up in the point totals. To get yep. caught up in, in name recognition, um. So, but at this point, twenty five games in, the names that, that come across my desk are Adam Fox, Miro Haskinen, uh Kale McCarr as usual. Rasmus Dahlin is is at least in the conversation somewhere. Charlie McAvoy, and then kind of honorable mention to Eric Carlson. Um, I don't honestly know who. If I am were to you know gun to my head, maybe Charlie McAvoy is my guy right now. But honestly, I. Do you feel I'd like he's to... played enough so far? Yeah, probably not. That's the thing. That was kind of what's been holding me back. Um, yeah. Maybe I mean, out Fox, I don't know.
0: And that'll be less of an issue at the 82 game mark, right? As opposed to right now where he misses sure. the start of the year. And so it's 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 purely nitpicking. But um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd throw Josh Morrissey in there as well as, sure. a, as a name that I did not expect to have in there. But And I think by season end, like there's going to be some regression because right now they're outperforming all of their underlying numbers quite a bit but you know he's producing himself they're scoring significantly more with him on the ice than they're giving up and so i wanted to give him some love but yeah i've got i've got eric carlson here as number 1 for now hmm. just because i think his offensive impact has been so um impossible to ignore like it's been so um not unique because cause there's a lot of a lot of these guys can create a lot for themselves and for others, but just seeing what he's doing there every night. Maybe I'm maybe I'm being a bit sentimental and buying into the narrative too much. Maybe I just uh, you know, I'm a sucker for 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 missing this Eric Carlson and now when I finally get him back. I'm just so head over heels over it. Um, but assuming there isn't like significant regression, he's not gonna sk- keep scoring as many goals and points as he has so far because everything's going on, on the ice on while he's on the ice, but if he keeps up something remotely resembling this, I think the, the offensive impact is just going to be too much to ignore.
1: Yeah. I think, I, I think we were, it's funny. We were both kind of we going in different directions with this. Cause I think with Carlson and, and myself, I'm projecting like some sort of regression versus just stopping at 25 games and going, right. okay, what have we seen here? Whereas you're stopping at 25 games and going, you know, maybe at 82, I'm not picking Carlson, yeah. but right now I'm picking Carlson. Um, but it's, it's really, uh, the classic, it, you love to see it situation because one, he's playing with just a random guy in Magna, right? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it, and, and he does his job. He's a simple player. Um, he, he's kind of the safety valve for Carlson, but there's no, you know, high end player on his, on his, uh, other side. And, There's something about Carlson and and the way he can impact the flow of the game. I think that's kind of, for me, where the the value really comes from is he can control the pace and he's such an elite skater. uh, Now that he's healthy again, that he can make this rush where he's either leading it or the second man or the third man. And if the puck's turned over, he's, you know, one of the first guys back just because a couple strides later, he's, he's up on that puck carrier. Um, and that's, that's what we saw when he was, whatever, 2017 and then yep. earlier, the, the type of player that he was and the way that he could exit the zone uh, in the defensive zone, enter the offensive zone with control, with this sort of deft playmaking ability where, you know, kind of one of those guys with eyes in the back of his head and also has a bit of an underrated shot. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, Burns not being there is, is certainly a factor. Uh, you go from having two quote-unquote go-to offensive weapons on the back end to just one uh, we can't ignore uh, the impact there so I think that's a factor but what he's done has been on, on a really like mediocre is actually kind way to, <laughs> to dis- describe the Sharks but what he's been able to do is it's quite something
0: it has yeah and I was saying this on a show last week like you can see that he's got that 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 dynamic kind of pop back in a step because you can see the way other teams are treating him. And maybe part of it is because there's so few other things to necessarily have to account for or worry about on that team. But like when he's pushing the puck up the ice, the other team's sagging back because they're respecting his speed all of a sudden. And even when he was effective the past couple of years, I mean, you say 2017, he was obviously, he had like one of the best playoff runs I think we've ever seen from an individual. He was doing it in like such a crafty way though like you can tell he wasn't right physically which makes it even more impressive that he was basically playing on one leg but he wasn't necessarily just like striking that fear of god into you with the pure skating it was the smarts and picking you apart with his passing now he's almost like he, the way he's pushing it up the puck, up the ice sometimes it's almost like people are like just just stunned that he's coming at them that fast and they're just like sagging back and giving him so much respect. And so I think that's pretty cool to see. You're right. I kind of view this purely from like, all right, we've seen these 25 games so far. This is what I'm judging it on, not necessarily what I think I'm going to be thinking at the end of the season. So I, I think that probably, um, you know, opens the door to to looking foolish potentially because there's so much season left and a lock and change. And then maybe at the year's end, we'll be like, man, what was I thinking at the 20, five game mark, but it's kind of all we have to go off of at this point. So that's, uh, that's what I'm factoring in. Um, You know, I wanted to make the point about Adam Fox because the tenor around the Rangers is so negative right now with everything going wrong and, and everything. If you look though, like his numbers so far this season, are actually significantly better than when he won the Norris a couple years ago. And he was really good and deserved that award that year. Like his power play production is down a little bit because the, that unit itself has um, regressed or, or not been as potent this season. But otherwise like at five on five, what's happening with him on the ice, how much he's creating himself, how good he looks. It's just as good as it was when we all decided that he was the best defenseman in the league and now others have elevated their games as well. But uh, I wanted to give him a shout out here. And then, you know, let's finally make this the year where Miro gets legitimate converse- legitimate buzz because he's finally putting up the points that are in line more so with some of his peers that we consider for this award. And everything else he does is is so good
1: that we need to give him some love. I mean, he's certainly in the conversation for best defensive defenseman, even though like it kind of sounds weird to attach a label like that to him. He has the offensive pop right, but his ability to, to kill offense around him is, is next level. And the stars are kind of a trendy, trendy is the wrong word. They're kind of a, an it team right now with Robertson. You know, Hints just signed a contract, they had all these contracts to, to line up in the offseason, and they've all worked out really well. They're winning games, uh, even Wedgwood was on a run there when Ottinger was out. So there's, there's more focus on Dallas than certainly in, in the last few years. And part of that is okay, they, they have a coach that is, is more run and gun than, than uh, shutdown, yes. uh, which helps in terms of the uh, entertainment factor. But uh, Haskin is right up there, you know, behind Robertson, sure, as, as the team MVP, but not by a mile. Hmm.
0: Yep, I like that. All right, uh, Vesna. What do you? This is this is the ultimate one where it's very scary. To after twenty five games only, yes. but um, give me give me what you're thinking here because I've got two names. They're the only ones I wrote down. Um, but I'm really curious to see like kind of what, where your heads at with this. Sorokin and Hellebuck. I yes assume? yes yeah. yeah. I think it has to be right. Like it's. Yeah. I mean, because I'd say the only other guys that have been even nearly good enough are. Well, I guess you could say all mark potentially, but just because, you know, how much he's winning and, and, and his numbers are fine. But I mean, what we just said about Logan Thompson, like it's such a advantageous environment to be play again for him that I don't think we should necessarily be like giving him all of the praise for it. Um, and then like, you know, for a while there, Carter Hart was putting up numbers that were close enough to yeah. these guys, but he's come back down earth a little bit in the past few games and and you'd expect that to continue just because it's such a miserable situation in front of him so I I don't I really don't even see someone who I'd feel confident pushing the first two guys through 25 games at the very least
1: yeah it's kind of nice to see these two guys in the conversation at the top too because I feel like Sorokin because Vasilevsky's won so many cups and been so dominant for so long, and because Shisterkin had that massive breakout season last year, he's been forgotten as this yeah. third incredible goalie out of Russia. And yeah, he obviously plays in front of a team that takes care of its its slot area, um, and and that helps. I mean, uh, I don't think there's no denying that. Um, but you you just you got to give him credit because the consistency's been there year over year, and now you're seeing him really. Pop as far as um, the team is getting a little bit more offensive under Lane Lambert, not to any great degree, but he's basically put up similar numbers as he has in the past. So that shows that his value is certainly there.
0: Well, no, um, and no then let, with, me, let me, let me, before we move to Hellebuck
1: yeah, yeah, let me make this point. I, I think you're
0: underselling how much the environment has changed because you look now and the Islanders give up the fourth most expected goals against this season. The only teams wow. that give up more high danger chances than them, according to natural stat trick, are the ducks, the Canadians, the Coyotes, and the Flyers. All teams you'd expect to be up there. And like Barry Trotz is gone. Like it's this is a different, different situation. And, and I think it's a net positive for them that they're playing more aggressively and trying to create more underlay Lambert. But as a result, it's become more difficult. You can't just you can't just bank on the default anymore of, oh well, anyone you put in there is gonna thrive. I think the fact that Sorokin has a 933 save percentage is is absurd, and plus twenty one expected goals against in eighteen games is is ludicrous.
1: Yeah, and I'm actually while you're talking, I pulled up the uh, leaderboard for Sport Logic. I have access to some of the okay. nice statistics. So coming into Monday night's games, uh, inner slot shots faced. So like the most yeah th- the deadliest shots you could have on a goalie. Uh, we've got John Gibson, which is not surprising. Uh, 19 games, 100, 171 inner slot slot shots faced. Number two, Sorokin, 18 games, 126. Right. So obviously a huge gap between one and two, but yep. he's still number two, which is uh, a little surprising, really. Uh, yeah. And then you go Jake Allen, so that doesn't uh, surprise you with the Habs. And then you go Carter Hart, that doesn't surprise you. So... Um, yeah, that that says it all. I mean, that's it's one thing to give up uh, a bunch of shots from the point, but to give them up at, at, in those high quality areas—that's a a whole other ball game. So Sorokin's facing the type of uh, quality chances that he he just didn't previously.
0: Yeah, nine forty-two save percentage at five on five as well. I mean, yeah, wow. I think it is only eighteen games played for for him so far, um, which is which is also like should say. I mean, like. Part of the rise here has been, you know, they they have brought him along slowly from the perspective of like he was a star in the KHL, right? But then they comes in, they already have Semyon Barlamo there in place, and he doesn't necessarily just get given 60, 65 games right out of the gate, right? That it's kind of ease him along. And then now he's he's the clear number one there and he's playing significantly more. And so yeah, once I think I think it's legit because you watch him and, and athletically, he's such a freak, like the way he goes laterally and and the types of saves he makes just like from an athletic, pure athleticism perspective are as special as you see uh, in the league. So I think he's legit. And then Connor Hellebuck, I mean, we similar to what we said about McDavid at the top. Like it's for most seasons, as long as the jets allow him to be um, in terms of like, just being at least competent enough in front of them, he's going to be in this conversation because he's, you know, he's very, very good. And he's Connor Hellebuck.
1: Yeah. He's in terms of the, the nice stories in, in the Vesna race, and um he, he's he's probably right up there with the guy who's battled injuries, who's played in front of some really suspect porous defense structures. Uh, it's nice to see one, him getting more help, and two, him producing the types of results we've seen in the past. It's almost like the opposite of what's going on with John Gibson in Anaheim, where these guys came up around the same time, both American and both had big seasons as, as young guys, and certain years they've both been crushed by uh, by their defenses. Just not enough help, and obviously in Anaheim we're seeing a team continue to, to let Gibson out to dry. And with Hellebuck under bonus, Winnipeg's turned it around at least uh, to, to some extent.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, certainly. I, I think. I mean, listen, he's got a 931 save percentage, plus 16 goal save above expected. So, like, not quite what Ilya Sorokin's been doing, but very close. And in more most years, would be like the clear runaway in in all those categories. So, yeah, I think those two guys right now are, are head and shoulders above everyone else for me. Um, let's get into let's get into some of the the fake awards that you and I have uh have cooked up here. I'll let you uh, let you go first. What's what's one that you want to uh, you want to get into here?
1: Let's do most exciting player to watch and then kind of a a second part of most exciting role player to watch Mm, Yep the nerdier part. So who's your most exciting player to watch? Oh, I mean, for me, I think it has to be Tage Thompson because
0: there's just no one else like him. I mean what he's been doing. So he started off a bit slow last 18 games, 15 goals, 16 assists, 90 shots on goal. And it really feels like he's, I mean, maybe like in on this side of Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid is in his own category in this regard. Yeah. Other than him, though, it feels like he's the best bet for every single time he's playing, he's gonna create one viral moment where he does something where everyone just goes, I cannot believe a human that big did something that smooth.
1: Yeah, the the one clip you posted on Twitter recently where he's picking the puck off the boards and goes between his legs I know. on the PK. Yeah, it's wild because. I've been talking to some NHLers lately about like what's a hard thing to do out there. Like uh, obviously all these guys have, you know, competence in every skill at a pretty high level compared to the average person, but these guys aren't perfect. Some things are just more difficult to master. Um, And a lot of guys talk about how hard it is to smoothly pick the puck off the boards when you're a winger and the opposing defenseman's coming towards you and you maybe get a, a puck that's bobbling and it's just, that's just one that that kind of perplexes some guys. Um, so for Tage to do that, you know, so smoothly at his height is just unbelievable. And the amount of times he's deked out the goalie yeah. from you know below the hash marks, and I'm not talking just one you know sidestep and then roofs it. He like does three or four deeks and just undresses the guy. He's done that at least a handful of times for goals this year, and. I don't know about you, Dimitri, but I was thinking about this the other day and I didn't do any sort of like big investigation into it. But Mm -hmm. like I was trying to think who over six foot five. So Thompson, six foot six, has displayed this type of small area skill. Like I was thinking like Eric Lindros would come to mind. He was six foot five, 230 or or something to that extent. But like it's a very, very small group of players over the last few decades with that size. Thompson is six foot six. and he's like 220 He's a he's a big lad. For him to do that, um, with that size, this the 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 puck handling is just incredible.
0: Yeah, I, I saw someone at the start of this run. I saw him like compared to like oh like this kind of reminds me of Mario Lemieux, and I think it's like it's it, it, that the natural inclination is like so like sacrilegious almost to compare yeah. anyone to a great like that. And uh, and Lemieux's listed at 6'4", 230 If you go on. On elite prospects, but similar in terms of like at that size, just how smoothly he could do pretty much everything with the stick work. And yeah, I, I, it started off as a joke. Now it's like I, I can only assume <laughs> this is what it was like to watch Prime Mario Lemieux, this version of Tage Thompson, because this is just it's freaky how how effortless it all is. Like you mentioned that play with taking the puck off the wall, putting it between the legs. Not only does he not break his stride, he actually builds up speed. As he's doing it. And and I didn't even I just wanted to clip that one little move so people could focus on that. But the end result of that play is he goes in on a rush and makes another move, creates space for himself and almost scores a shorthanded goal. So it was like it was just building layer, layer on top of layer. So his ability to do stuff like that, um, just seemingly like pull it out of nowhere and now just make it a regular thing is I, I can't remember the last time I enjoyed something as much as this. Like it's, it's such a, it's such a joy just to, to watch him do this. And I really hope it continues because uh, there's been nothing like it. Was he, was he your answer for most exciting player as well?
1: Yeah. I mean, I put Tate Thompson slash Alex Tuck just because I think he's right not as fun to watch, but the fact that they play on the same line, I wanted yes, to give him yeah. a shout out. And with Tuck, the straight line speed is pretty incredible, especially for his size. And he's got pretty filthy hands as well. And then you toss in Jeff Skinner and his edge work. Like, that line's just just fun. Yeah. That, that's really the best way to describe it. And they are producing now. So, um, you know, if you're the Sabres, it's, it's marketable. And then it's also helping you win hockey games. It's quite incredible. Yeah. Um, other guys I had jotted down was, was Jack Hughes, Mark Stone, Mitch Marner, because of uh, mm-hmm. his ability to affect every, every end zone uh, in, in the middle. Yep. And you know, there's obviously the, the Bergerons and Macars and McDavids of the world, but um those were some names that, that came yeah. to mind.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I think Jack Hughes is a good insertion there as well. I probably um if it weren't for Tage Thompson coming from a different planet to do what he's been doing, I think uh, I think it'd be a case for him. Well, okay, so let's do your um your kind of uh your tangentially related topic to this, yeah. which is uh, favorite role player. I'm gonna I'm going to deliver it here for you, John. Yeah. I'm going to come completely out of left field and give you a name that I'm sure you have not thought about at all, which is what I assume you wanted from yeah, this oh exercise yeah. when you pitched it. Blake Lazotte. Okay. Um, well, okay, yeah. And and I was going to do Logan O'Connor, but I've talked about him so much in yeah. the video cast. Enough, enough Logan O'Connor. Even Logan O'Connor's family doesn't talk about him as I, much.
1: As I, I've heard coach. you describe him as like... yes. Nathan McKinnon without the actual production. Well,
0: if you oh if you look at him, if you if you're not paying attention to an Avs game and you casually look at the screen and you just see someone flying down the wing with the number 20 something, and they're just going faster than everyone, you're like, oh, there's Nathan McKinnon. Oh no, actually that was Logan O'Connor. Um, Blake Lazott plays like less than 10 five on five minutes per game for the Kings. He's actually 13th in usage when you account for a couple of the guys who who haven't been in the lineup because they've been hurt for them um he's in the top 100 in terms of scoring efficiency at 515 though over two points per 60 tied with the following names who all play significantly more than him of course like you can't it's Apple Store oranges but yeah Evgeny kuznetsov miko Rantanen, and pavel Buchnevich, just ahead of them austin matthews um i i, I love blake lazat because he plays with an endless motor and maybe it's easier to do that when you're playing nine and a half minutes or whatever the way he does but every shift that he plays is the most important shift he's ever played in his life. And, and I love that type of role player. That's like my dream because you send that guy out there, you know, you're getting max effort. He's got some, some sneaky skills in scoring there as well. He scored the five five one five goals. Like it's not like he's purely just going out there and trying to hit people or just trying to provide energy. He's actually trying to create himself. And so it's like the, it's my dream version of what I want a bottom six or even potentially fourth line player for a team that's as deep as the Kings to do. And he does it in like a smaller undersized package as well. So it's a bit surprising to see him play that way. And so I just, uh, I love Blake goes I know playing for the Kings out here on the West coast, late games, maybe doesn't get nearly as much attention as he probably would if you played it on Toronto or Boston or New York, but really fun player who I recommend people uh, watch if they ever tune into a Kings game.
1: Yeah. The Kings have some sneaky fascinating players to watch lower down their lineup with grunstrom um uh trevor moore mm-hmm. they're just stocked with these defensemen that that just keep coming through Sean, Jer- i know sean Dersey has some name recognition but he's another guy um but for more, my most exciting role player i'm going to go out to seattle yep. and i think this is a guy who who, who may tickle your fancy too <laughs> brandon Tanev. just mm-hmm. the the pure chaos that he brings to the game and it's it's controlled chaos he's not going out there, you know, delivering headshots or uh, icing the puck when he shouldn't. But even, like, his skating technique is a little chaotic. Um, And he has this nose for the net. Like, for a guy, you know, third, fourth line, he's able to to score some, you know, uh, skillful goals and – There's just something about him, and obviously the headshot that he's become famous for. I mean, yeah, you got to give him a little props for that, and the way that he's become a cult favorite in the Kraken fan base, the way that his jersey flaps in the wind and his hair flaps in the wind when he's skating down uh, uh, down the ice. Like I just, I have a, I have a, a spot in my heart for Brandon Tanev and what he brings to the table as a, a role player.
0: That's a really good pick. Yeah, I mean, that's when you when you look up energy guy that's it's it's Brandon Tana so that's a that's a really good pick all right we actually have a couple other categories here but we're uh we're out of time we spent so much time on everything else and and you know what I don't regret it because it was a blast <laughs> having you on and chatting and, and hopefully the listeners enjoyed that as well and we're just gonna have to to have you back on I know we we wanted to talk about Jonas Siegenthaler as well um and we had him in a different category or at least I did, but uh we'll, we'll have you back on here soon and then maybe we'll pick that back up and we'll be able to to unpack that. So I'll give you I'll give you a minute here quickly to to plug some stuff um, what you've worked on recently where people can check out your work.
1: Sure. So on Twitter, I'm Mattis John uh, I tweet out all my stories there. I Get involved in some discussions there. And uh, yeah, senior NHL writer for the Score. I cover the entire league and try to take uh, different angles on on the biggest topics and try to deep dive certain players, certain teams. Uh, I like to look at the human aspect of, of being a hockey player as well and get into some minutiae uh, and whatnot. So um, your best bet on that front is probably to Google my name, Google the score, and you'll find my, my author page. All right. I
0: love it, man. Keep up the great work. We're going to, like I said, have you back on here soon and we'll get into some of the stuff you've written recently. Uh, so we'll chat then. If you enjoyed the show as a listener, please help us out by smashing that five-star button wherever you listen to the PDOcast. And we'll be back tomorrow with more here on this feed. So thank you for listening to the hockey PDOcast, cast streaming on the sports radio network.